the word epiphany, the word that we call today's feast, um, I think we can lose sight of what that word actually means. It's a Greek word. It, it comes from a Greek word that means to reveal or to, make, to manifest, to make something known. And I've always wondered, why is it that we call the day that the, that the kings get to Jesus, why do we call that day the epiphany? What is being made known? What is being revealed? Um, as I was sitting praying with it this week and, and thinking about the homily for this week, um, I started thinking, I, I remember as a kid, there was this one, image, this one story that I remember. Um, I used to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. My grandparents would, would, were basically glorified babysitters for us for a long time. Um, and I'm sure there's no one here that feels that way ever, I'm sure. Um, but I, as I remember being in the car with my grandfather, and it was me and my sister and another one of our cousins, my grandfather went, he, he stopped at a gas station, fills up, he goes inside, pays his bill. Um, when he came out, he gave each one of us a scratch-off lottery ticket. Um, now, I, I was a kid, I might have been four or five years old, but I remember he gave us a scratch-off lottery ticket, and he handed us each a quarter, and he was basically, it was basically his way of saying, sit in the back, be quiet, and, and y'all entertain yourself with this, right? So I remember, I grabbed this ticket, and I started scratching off. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the rules of the game, because there was like the little spot where you have to get like certain things or whatever, and you might win some money. And then there was like a multiplier, but you had to choose one, right? And if you, if you scratched off more than one, it was null and void. It, was, it voided the ticket. And I remember I was scratching it off, and I'm just playing around, and I scratch off everything that's silver on it. And my sister looked over, and she looks at me and says, you won $5. And when I showed my grandpa, he goes, oh, but it's not valid anymore. Because you, you, you were only supposed to pick one of these little boxes. And it was like, it was kinda bu- I was kind of bummed. But the reason, is, so what ends up happening is, is now that thing is useless and I just throw it aside and I ignore it and I move on, right? The little piece of paper. Now the ticket that should have made me five bucks, now it's useless and I just throw it away. Why, why do I bring that up for the epiphany is because I think if we don't understand what it is that's being revealed, if we don't understand what it is that's actually going on in today's gospel, we can very, very quickly just kind of fly past it and, oh, that was great and that was nice and it was something to entertain us, it was something to kind of keep us quiet, it was something just to kind of keep the spirit of Christmas going on and to complete a nativity set, but I, I'm, move, I'm on to the next thing. And they just throw it aside and it's kind of, oh, that was nice, but it's kind of useless for my life and move on. When in reality, the epiphany, I think, for us is one of the most important days in our, in our liturgical cycle. It's one of the most important mysteries that we have because the meaning to be revealed or to make manifest to what, what, it, what it actually is happening, what actually it means for our life, actually is something that at the beginning of this new year, the beginning of 2022, can change the way that we approach the next 363 days of the year. If we let it. So let's, let's break open what actually takes place, what it means in a Jewish context, what it means in the time of Jesus, and what that also might mean for us as we go forth into our week, to this month, and ultimately into this new year.
First thing that we know about these, these men that come to see Jesus is that they're magi, they're wise men, they're kings. But the one thing we've, we've learned, one thing that we know for sure about them, it's very, very mysterious about their identity in the scriptures. But the one thing we know for sure about them is that they're not from Jerusalem. That is that they are from a distant land. They are from outside of the Jewish context, outside of the Jewish world. They are borderline strangers that are coming because they saw a king. They're astrologers. They're scientists. They're men of the world. In a Jewish context, that means they are Gentiles. They're not... The peop- they're not of the people of Abraham, but instead, they are people from out there, somewhere else, possibly even race in Louisiana. But they are Gentiles. And the hope and the beauty of, the, of this mystery, of this, is that they come to pay worship to Jesus. That from the very beginning of Jesus' life, the mystery of Christmas that we celebrated last week, the mystery of Christmas that was such a fulfillment and such a big deal with all of the Jewish symbolism, all of the Jewish prophecy, that the mystery of Jesus is not just for the Jews. That from the very beginning of, of his life, that Jesus Christ... That because these, these wise men, because these kings come to pay him homage, to worship him, it's a revelation for all of us that Jesus is doing something new. That's outside of the realm, outside of the social structure of the Jewish people. And that it's going to include Jew, Jew and Gentile alike. It's a big moment of hope for us. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not Jewish. (laughs) Never was, never have been. But today, it means that what we celebrated last week was not just meant to fulfill something just for the Jews, but that it was meant for the masses. For us as well. Now, when these kings approach... We all know the story of today's gospel. We all have heard the song. We all know the name of the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? St. Irenaeus would say that these three gifts actually says something about Jesus. In a very, very beautiful and a very, very profound way. So let's start with gold. Gold was meant to be, it was used for commerce, it was used for trade. But gold was associated with kings. That kings had gold, right? The gold crown, the gold cup, the gold everything. That kings had gold. So when this king, this this Gentile king, this wise man, approaches Jesus and offers a gift of gold, he's saying that this child is destined to, to be a king. But think about the image that takes place. A king comes to worship another king. Now, in the Jewish world, in this time 2,000 years ago, the quickest way to start a war was for one king to look at another and to say, bow to me. 
It was a sign, it was a flex. Like it was a sign of, I'm greater than you, you need to bow to me. It was a challenge to the other's authority. My kingdom is greater than yours, bow to me. But notice what happens. That this king approaches a baby, 12 days old, and bows to him. A sign saying that this baby is not meant to just be a worldly king, but that he's going to be the greatest of all kings ever. The king of kings, the lord of lords, the ruler above all other rulers. It's the gold. It's the symbol of this kingship. The second gift is the frankincense. Every time I heard frankincense as a kid, I used to think Frankenstein, and it has nothing to do with that, okay? Frankincense is very simple. Frankincense, I think for us, we need to understand what it was used for so that we can understand better what's actually taking place before this baby, before this Christ child. Frankincense was used in the temple. Now, you may have heard me talk about the temple before in the Jewish tradition, but let me, let me explain how important the temple was. For us, as Catholics, we're very lucky. We go to any Catholic church, there will be a tabernacle. In said tabernacle, there will be Jesus. Right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, reposed in the tabernacle. The presence of God on earth is with us in this church and in every Catholic church around the world. And that is a beautiful thing. This is why when we pass in front of a church, make the sign of the cross because you're supposed to, because we're recognizing that Jesus dwells there. Now the Jewish people had one place in the world where they knew the Spirit of God dwelled. And that was the temple in Jerusalem. So imagine that every Catholic church, we don't have the Eucharist reposed in the tabernacle, that the only place in the world that you can get the Eucharist, the only place in the world that you can go to adoration and pray before God in body, blood, soul, and divinity, in his presence, was in Rome. It's the only place in the world you can do it. That's what the temple was for the Jewish people. They had synagogues where they would meet like this, but the synagogue didn't have the presence of God there. They preached the word, they taught, they did their thing. But every Jew would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In the temple, there were sacrifices that were offered throughout the year. Some of them were harvest sacrifices like grains and, and different things, the first fruits of their harvest. Some sacrifices were animals. That they would, they would kill goats and, and bulls and, and they would kill uh, turtle doves and, and all these things, a blood sacrifice. But one of the sacrifices that they would offer and the only place that they would use frankincense in the world was in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, in the closest place to the presence of God. And once a year, the high priest would go, he would offer the frankincense as an incense sacrifice to God. This is why whenever we do use incense at Mass and everybody pretends that they're allergic and they start coughing, you know what I mean? Um, 
this is what, what we're symbolizing. We're symbolizing the prayers of the people going to God, and it goes all the way back to our Jewish roots, to the roots of our, of, of our belief of the temple and it being burned before the presence of God. So whenever the, the king shows up before a baby, he's offering frankincense, which is only used in one place. And that's in the closest quarters of God's presence on earth. It's a symbol recognizing that this child is not like any other human child, completely human, simply human child. That this child is divine. So if we look at it, these Gentiles show up. These people who are not of the fold of the Jewish people. And they come and recognize that Jesus Christ is both king and divine. And without knowing it, they fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah from the first reading. Where frankincense and gold would be offered before the Messiah. But there's a third gift. Prophecy, yes, recognizes that he would be a king and that he would be divine. But there's a third gift. And the third gift, I'm convinced, is that the third gift recognizes the way in which he will claim his kingdom and build his kingdom and the way in which he will prove his divinity and save his people. And that is through the myrrh. Now, if you're an Impractical Jokers fan, Myrrh immediately makes you think of one of them. And if you haven't seen that show, I'm really sorry. You need to watch it because it's hysterical. Um, but I'm not talking about the little bald guy on Impractical Jokers. Um, myrrh is an oil that is used on dead bodies before burial. So it seems like it's very, very morbid to offer. It would be like offering a baby a coffin. It's weird. It's morbid. But what are they doing here when they offer this myrrh to Jesus? It's a recognition that Jesus is going to prove his divinity and prove his kingship by death. That the wood of the manger that he rests in is meant to point to the wood of the cross. That this child is going to enter into the human condition totally and completely. Embracing every suffering that you can imagine. That he'll be beaten. That he'll be crucified. That ones close to him will die. And he'll suffer. That he'll grow. That just like you and I, that he will experience not an e it won't, life won't be just simple and easy and everything's perfect, but instead he would enter into the suffering with us. That he would know it's like defeat death ultimately and prove his divinity and his kingship. Now, Father, all that's nice and wonderful and great and wow, okay, there's a lot of symbolism that's going on here in the, in the gospel and in this mystery of the epiphany. Awesome. What does that mean for me? You see, today we celebrate a moment where Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. That his true nature is revealed to the world. This feast is about revealing Jesus Christ and who he is to the world around us.
you and I are called to continue this revelation and manifestation of Jesus Christ every day of our life. You and I are called to make Jesus known in his kingship, in his divinity, and in his suffering to the entire world around us on a daily basis. This year is two days old. 2022, it's full of mystery. It's a blank slate. How is it that you're going to make Jesus known to the world around you this year? As a king, as the top priority of your life. I know for me, Jesus, you know what? When I'm celebrating Mass, Jesus is absolutely the top priority. When I'm here on Sunday morning, Jesus is easily the top priority. On Monday when I'm off, (laughs) sometimes he's got to compete for that top priority spot. When I'm wasting time... (laughs) On Facebook or on social media, sometimes he's got to compete for that top priority spot. When I get a little bit selfish, sometimes it's easy to kind of push him aside and let something else become the top priority and the thing that kind of orders my whole day. With his divinity, as one of my professors in the seminary once said, everybody, we as human beings are made to worship. We will worship something. If you're here at, on Sunday morning, most likely you're going to worship God. But it's real easy on Sunday morning to worship God. But on Monday at 11 o'clock, are we worshiping the Lord? Or are we worshiping our work and our paycheck? Do we worship our status, our power, our reputation? What what is it that we give ourselves over to and worship and let become a false god that might sometimes push Jesus out of the way? Finally, every one of us is going to suffer. In this past year, two years, five years, month, week, every one of us has suffered in some way or another. But like the kings, do we unite our sufferings to Jesus? Or do we let them just become burdens that weigh us down? Do we shut down and close in? No matter how big or how small they are, when, when we have these moments of suffering, when someone dies, when someone, has a, is, when, when someone receives a bad diagnosis, whatever it may be, do we run to the Lord and let, us, let him love us in it? Or do we close off and run away? You stay over there and get angry and spiteful. As we embark on a new year, every one of us is invited to make God present to manifest the Lord in our day-to-day to make the Lord known in the world around us. Just imagine for a moment that if every day you woke up in in, in Jesus Christ, living a, a good life in relationship to Christ as your top priority was number one on your list. Imagine if every day you lived as if Jesus Christ was the one you worshiped 
And that, that overflowed into who you talk about and how you, like who, what you say about people and, and the conversations that you have and, and different things like that, like in your workplace, in your family. So imagine if every suffering, no matter how small, we actually took the advice of every one of our grandmothers and offered it up. We'd say an extra prayer for the person who's suffering. And not just say, oh yeah, I'm a think and pray about, about it. If we reached out to people who are actually who are dealing with some heavy stuff. Just imagine if we lived our life according to the gifts. Gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Just imagine if those three things were a constant reminder to us every day for the next 363 days. How blessed 2022 could be. This is what you and I are called to as Christians. As Catholics in particular. That we may make Jesus known to the world around us. May today... As we come to embrace the epiphany, as we come to have Jesus revealed to us again in the Eucharist, and we're fed with his body, blood, soul, and divinity. May we leave this church today and make him known to the world around us. Jew and Gentile alike. The chosen people and those who are on the outskirts. May every one of us today allow God to reveal himself that we may become an epiphany to the world.